I'm Brooke. And I'm Johnny. And we serve on the Dream Team. Here at the Mount Pleasant campus as, as greeters. We've really enjoyed um, meeting people through serving. Um, we've met pe other people who serve on the Dream Team, either in greeting or other capacities, and really built relationships with them. Um, it's allowed us to get plugged into our small group. It's allowed us to make this feel more like home. My name is Logan. I serve on the parking team. This is my son, Mason. He serves in Kids Coast. Uh, this is my daughter, Autumn. She serves also in Kids Coast. My, my background in serving is the parking team. It started off with me wanting to connect with people here at church and just getting to know uh, some folks, and uh, it kind of blossomed into more than that. Now I, I get to, to meet new people every week, you know, even, even the first-time guests that are coming. We get the chance to say hi to them too, so it's a great way to just not only meet fellow volunteers, but to meet everyone walking into that door every Sunday. So my name is Kelly Keesentanner, and I am a part of the Dream Team coffee team at the Asheville campus. My relationship with other people, my relationship with God is just so much better being connected in His church. And part of that is serving. It's one of the things I love about Seacoast is that everybody who does serve has such a great attitude about it. I want God's house to be as welcoming as my house, and so I want to have a role in that. And that, that will just lead to connections and um, conversations. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. Who's happy to be in church today? Anybody? Glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. And I uh, also want to add my thank you and celebrating to all of you here and at the campuses online who serve on our dream team. Uh, we're just so grateful, and uh, it's worth celebrating you because you are such a critical part of what we do. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you and thank you again this weekend. We're celebrating you at all of our campuses, and so you'll get more information at your campus on when and where and how we're celebrating you. But I would also say, hey, let's if you're not on the dream team, it's been amazing to see these last few months. People are coming back to church and, and waves and tons of people. We'd love to have you a part of it. And uh, we said earlier that it's more blessed to give than receive. You will be more blessed when you do it. But we also need you. And I don't want to sound desperate, but we kind of are. We've got a lot of people coming back and we'd love your help and just helping us uh, communicate a warm welcome and God's love to anybody who walks through, through these doors. And uh, you know, in our, in our home, everybody has a role in the family. Everybody does their part to kind of help out. And we are a family and just want to encourage you. Maybe you used to serve but haven't in a while, or maybe you're just newer and haven't jumped in. We'd love to help you find your spot to be part of caring for people. And I'm uh, just really, really grateful for all of those that do. So we're starting a brand new series this week called Walking Away from Jesus. Now, thought about doing like a three-step process of walking away from Jesus, but some of you could do that a whole lot. I know you. You could do that a whole lot better than me. That's not what this series is about. We're not going to help you walk away from Jesus, uh, but, but here's the reality. Anytime we look at the life of Jesus, we look at the encounters of Jesus, as people left those encounters with Jesus, there was something different about them. And so we're going to take the next couple months, and we're just going to study the life of Jesus. We're going to follow him around. And really the question for us is what was different for these individuals when they walked away from Jesus 
versus when they walked to Jesus. And, and the reality is that not everybody walked away from Jesus changed. Uh, not everybody walks away from a, a worship experience. We all experience something together here and at our campuses, but that doesn't guarantee that we walk away different. And so as we look at these encounters, we're going to ask ourselves, how would I be different after walking away from this encounter with Jesus? And the story that we're going to start with today is in Luke chapter 17. And I think it more than perhaps any other story of an encounter with Jesus shows you that many people can have the same encounter, but not, not walk away with the same change. And it's a story of 10 lepers in Luke chapter 17. You have 10 people who encounter Jesus in a powerful way, but only one really leaves with all that God had intended for him. And so if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 17, you can follow along. If not, we have the scriptures up on the screen. We also will have them online as well. And uh, here, here's the story. I want to read it to you. And then we're just going to pull some principles out of it that we can learn. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So you notice how that finishes. It's not just my idea walking away from Jesus. Jesus told him, you, you now go. Walk away, but you're walking away different. Can you imagine what that phone call was like when he picked up his cell phone and called maybe whatever contacts he had left because he had been isolated from society? We'll talk about that in a minute. Can you imagine, though, being a fly on the wall on that conversation? I got to tell you what just happened to me. And let me tell you, I'm walking away different. What would he say to us? What would that leper say to us if, if he could tell us about his encounter with Jesus? I, 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 three things jumped out to me as I read the story. And, and if you're taking notes, you can, you can write this first one down. If you're not taking notes, you can also write this first one down. First one I think we can learn is I think he would tell us he saw me when no one else did. Jesus saw me in my pain when nobody else did. Let, let's, let's go back to the story for a second. We, we don't talk a lot about leprosy today, thank God, because there have been medical advances and we don't really deal with it like they used to. But, but leprosy, you had these 10 men and they were gathered together in community and it wasn't around their race. It wasn't around their religious background. Those are all things that normally would have been identifiers but they were connected around their, their pain, around their disease, leprosy. And leprosy was a disease that was awful. And I'm not gonna get into the details of it uh, because you're getting ready to go eat lunch and you're not gonna be hungry if I went into all the details of it. But it was just a terrible, terrible disease. And when you got diagnosed with it, it was the beginning of a long, drawn out, painful in some ways. In some ways it wasn't. Part of their issue is they couldn't experience pain. So they would have an infection. They wouldn't know about it. It would get worse. And, and it just, I mean, by their, their limbs would become deformed and it was awful, but a, a long, long journey towards death. But it wasn't just a physical death for them. 
It was also a social death and a cultural death. And while the physical death took a long time, the cult cultural and social death happened immediately. As soon as they got a diagnosis, they were kicked out of the town. They couldn't, by law, live within a, a walled town. They were sent away to live on their own. And so Jesus is coming down this road to Jerusalem, and he comes across these lepers, and, and they are likely holding up a sign. If not, by law, by religious law in the Old Testament, Leviticus, they had to shout out, hey, un unclean, if somebody gets near him, unclean, I am not clean, I am not well, shouting out, being identified by this place of pain. Can you imagine what that would be like? To have to literally by law yell out your worst sin, your worst disease. Hey, I'm, I'm sick. I'm not well. If you think about all of the restrictions that we've had to deal with during COVID, imagine all of those and then some, but you're the only one that has to abide by them. You're the only one isolated. That's who these people are. They live their life. Their primary identity is in their uncleanliness, their disease their sickness. And so they're hanging out. They're shouting out, I'm unclean. And Jesus would certainly not have been the first person to walk past them. Because when Jesus is going to Jerusalem, it's to celebrate one of the Jewish festivals. And people would make pilgrimages from all over the world to Jerusalem for these celebrations. And so most people, as they're walking down this road, when they see these lepers, they do what many of us do when you see somebody maybe who is homeless or who's asking for money or they, they probably see them from a distance, they see that they're unclean. And it's not that they're cruel. It's just that this is what culture does. They move as far away from them as they can and they try to get, get past them without contacting the disease that they have, without being stuck in a conversation with them and they just kind of move past. But not Jesus. When Jesus sees them, the Bible says in Verse 14, again, he sees them, and it says he looked at them. He noticed them. He saw their pain. Why did Jesus do that? See, we're getting ready to study the life of Jesus for the next couple of months, and one thing that you're going to notice as we do is that Jesus always moved towards people with pain. It's almost like he had a radar in him that guided him towards people who are in pain. He did. He always found himself in proximity of people who were hurting. Why is that? I believe it's because Jesus is the hope of the world. And not everybody experiences the thrill of success at the same level. But if you live long enough, all of us experience the heartache of pain. And nothing opens you up to the need for hope like your pain does. Nothing gets our attention like pain. Jesus is God incarnate. We know Psalm 34, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, Jesus doesn't even make his way towards pain. He's always there. He's always there. So, so that's good news for us. If you're in pain today, just know that Jesus draws near. And our hope as a church is that we would do the same thing. This is not a country club for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. This is a hospital for people who are in pain. So where is your pain today? Some of us, you're, you're grieving today. And I just want you to know Jesus is near. Some of you, maybe you're heartbroken today. Just know Jesus is close to that.
is near that pain. Some of us are dealing with the pain of our own regret, something that we've done that's cost us or hurt somebody else. And just know Jesus draws near to our pain. He's always close. I, I, I realized this in kind of a, a real personal way in these last few weeks. I, I've told some of you may have heard that I picked up coronavirus about six weeks ago and um, I wasn't thinking it was going to be that big of a deal. I was mostly disappointed not to be able to preach on Easter, but it, it dropped into my lungs and it, it became something that, that was a pretty serious thing for me. I ended up hospitalized for several days. And the low point for me of that whole deal was Easter Sunday morning. Easter Sunday morning, I had been admitted to the hospital the day before. All of the numbers that they came to me the day before and said, hey, your blood work, we're really concerned about this. They had all dropped the next day especially my white blood cell count. The doctor said, this is as low as I've seen. And we're really concerned your immune system is shutting down. Our goal today is to keep you out of the ICU. And I was just, you know, with, with that disease, there's a whole lot that we've seen and images on the news. And it was just a lot going on inside of me, a lot of fear, a lot of concern. I couldn't even walk to the bathroom without just gasping for air. I was discouraged. I, my wife had tried to FaceTime me in to watch the kids do some of the Easter egg stuff at home. I couldn't even really pay attention to that. I tried to log onto the website and watch the, the website. I just didn't have enough energy even to watch church. I was disappointed not to be a part of this community on Easter Sunday. And I was kind of having a pity party. I, I, was, I was afraid. I was in my bed. I was crying. And another doctor walked through the door. But this was one I hadn't seen yet. His name was Dr. Sean Haley. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm Dr. Haley and I work here at MUSC, but I'm not your doctor. In fact, I don't even treat coronavirus, but I am a member of your church, and I have privileges at this hospital, and I heard that you were here, and I know that nobody else can come see you, and I thought maybe you could use some encouragement. And I'm telling you what, I have visited the hospital hundreds of times to see other people, but I've never been at it from that vantage point. And when you're in a place of pain, when you're in a place of, of need, man, you so appreciate the hope that Jesus offers. And so this guy, he just came in and he said, how you doing? And I started to explain physically and he's like, okay, well, how are you doing spiritually and how are you doing emotionally? I was like, dude, I'm not in a good place right now. I'm, str I'm struggling. And he said, well, I just want you to know there's hope and I wanna pray for you. And so he prayed for me and I'm telling you what, that was the moment for me when things started to turn around in my health. In fact, I was supposed to be in the hospital for four more days, and I ended up going home the next day, partially because of great medicine, but I believe it started when Dr. Haley came in at my moment of deepest pain and just brought Jesus and brought hope into that pain. And as he was leaving, he got to the door, and I said, hey, Sean, and he stops and looks back at me, and I said, thank you for being my pastor today. And you know what? You may not be a doctor. You may not be a pastor, but you do have access to people with pain. And when you step into people's moments of pain, there's a readiness, there's an openness for them to receive the hope of the gospel. And as we come out of this pandemic, the experts would tell you both in the church and outside of the church that our country, our world is on the front end of a tidal wave of grief that we're going to experience. Just the stuff that we've lost. Many have lost loved ones. Some have lost opportunity. Some have lost you know, graduations or community, whatever it might be, but our world is in pain. And my hope and my prayer for us is that we would just be a whole bunch of Dr. Sean Haley's that go, where's there some pain? I want to step into that. 
We talk about Serve Day that we're gonna do this July, and man, we'd love to see thousands of us jump into Serve Day. Why? Because we wanna pat ourselves on the back? No, because our communities are dealing with pain. They're grieving, and we wanna come and bring the hope of the gospel to the pain. Jesus always had a radar for pain. He always showed up in people's pain. And you know what? Let's just be honest. It's awkward to show up to people's pain. Sean even told me later, we were texting about it. He said, man, it was very uncomfortable for me to step in. I didn't know what I was going to say. I just knew you were there and I wanted to be helpful. It's never easy to step into somebody's pain, but we have to move past that. Some of our very dear friends this week are just going through the worst kind of pain, the loss of a loved one way too soon. Great friend of ours, a longtime seacoaster, uh, Brian Fisher, who went to be with Jesus on this past Monday. And we've been walking with their family. And that Monday after he had passed away, Keenan and Joe, who Keenan is, is Brian's daughter, had said, we'd love for you to bring the kids out to the house. And so I was driving them out. Uh, we're on our way. And, and, you know, the car was quiet. It's normally not. Uh, normally it's loud. People are fighting or playing or whatever. And it was just, you could tell the kids were uneasy about stepping into this grief. And so I asked them, I said, hey, do you think that Kiki and Joe invited you out to the house because they're hoping that you're going to say something and, and it's going to take away their pain? And it was like, uh, no, yes, I don't know. Is this a trick question, Dad? And I was like, no, no, there's nothing you can say. If there was something that you could say, I would have written a book about it and, and I'd be a billionaire because because nobody, there's nothing you can say to make pain go away, right? I said, they're not looking for you to say something. They just want your presence. They just want you to show up. And that's the truth with anybody who's going through pain. You, you think, well, I don't know what I'm going to say to them, or I'm not sure. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I've never had somebody tell me, hey, I just wish that they hadn't shown up in my pain. But I do hear, I wish that they had shown up. So you may know somebody, you may be in proximity to somebody who's hurting right now, just show up, move through the awkwardness, just show up, bring the presence of God and your life and your friendship. And God's going to use that as a part of the healing process. I think that this leper would say, Hey, Jesus saw me when nobody else did. Let's be a people that see others. Second thing I think he would tell us, I think he would say, it's easier to have faith when I'm sick than when I'm well. I think he would say observation for me is that when 10 of us were sick, Jesus told us to take a step of faith. Let's look at the story again. He tells them, he looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Here's the deal. What Jesus asked them to do was really pretty ridiculous because the only reason a leper would show himself to the priest is because he's been healed. You show up after you've been healed and the priest will look at your skin and he'll say, hey, this person is clean. And Jesus didn't heal them and then say, go to the priest. He said, go to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Almost any time God is moving in our lives, he's going to ask us to take a step of faith. And how many of you know when you're at the end of the rope, it's easy to take that step. Has anybody ever prayed that? God, if you get me out of this situation right now, I'll give you my life, right? And that's great. That, that's a good prayer if you're in that situation. And so Jesus tells them to go. And, and I'm sure if I'm one of those lepers, I'm thinking, I mean, couldn't you like fix this 
nasty hand before I go, like, wouldn't you, God, heal me first. But I'm telling you, think about Moses at the Red Sea, right? They're stuck at the border of this, this ocean. And on the other side of them is, is an army who's coming to kill them. They're going, God, help us out. We, gotta, we need something. And, and what does God tell Moses to do? Pick up your staff and hold it up in the air. God, do you have any better ideas? Because we're getting ready to get slaughtered by this army, right? But no, he says, hold it up in the air. And it's in that moment, doing something, taking a step of faith, that God begins to part the sea. And then 40 years later, they're at the Jordan River. And it's flood tide. Joshua's taking these people in. And again, I'm thinking, if I'm Joshua, hey, God, remember when you did that Red Sea thing? I'll lift this up. You do that. Let's do that again. But God says, no, I want you to step into the water. Now, if you don't know what a flood tide is, how many of you have seen on the news a car floating down the street as a result of a storm? That's, that's about what a flood tide is. And so in that kind of environment, God says, go ahead and start walking. And as they get into the water, I don't know how high it got, but the water began to recede and they cross on dry land. And so often that's how God moves in our lives. God, would you heal my, my marriage? Yeah. Why don't you go get in a small group? Why don't you get transparent, open yourself up to a group of community? And as we take those steps, as we move towards faith, we, we realize, oh, God's starting to heal my relationships. Some of us, we're going through some tough stuff. God's calling you, take a step of faith. And I think this leper would go, you know what? It's easy to do that when you're sick. A quick reading comprehension. What percentage of the lepers took that step of faith? 100%. 10 out of 10. When they were at the end of their rope, 10 out of 10 said, man, I'm all in. Let's go. But once they got well, once they got their, their healing, if you can imagine what, what it would be like for them to be healed, once they got that, the percentage dropped down to 10%. Only one out of 10 came back to Jesus. And I don't, I mean, honestly, you, it's easy to throw shade at these guys. But what would you do if you had this affliction, this leprosy, this coronavirus, and God heals you of it? Now you can go back to your family, maybe for the first time in a long time. It's very natural to, to want to carry the sign around. I'm not unclean anymore. I'm healed. And so they go, and they, they go to, probably to do what Jesus told them to do, go to the priest. But only one of them, and I believe he had a revelation. I just had an encounter with the high priest. I'm going to go back to Jesus. I'm going to go back to the one who healed me. And, and so he does. But listen, it's easier, it's easier to, to walk in faith when you're sick. Some of us are here today. We're, we're healed. What would it look like for you to continue to live in faith, to serve, to connect with people, to, to live out that faith, even though you're well? So last thing that I think that this leper would say to us, and it's why he came back. I think he would say, the real prize is the healer, not the healing. The real prize is the healer, not the healing. You know, I, I was going to do a message on gratitude because clearly gratitude is laid into this passage, but this is not a man who wrote a thank you note because someone gave him a gift. This is a man who had leprosy, and he was healed. And the only appropriate response in that moment is to do what he did.
which is to run back to the feet of Jesus and to worship him and to glorify him. Look what he, he's, well, actually, I have a verse in here before. I think he must have known this verse from the Old Testament. I, I, I Psalm 107, and my friend Brian Fisher died last week. He, I, I learned something. He only read the King James Version of the Bible. Dad, he's been coming to this church for 28 years. I thought he loved our preaching. He's just been tolerating it. He only read the King James. So I put, I put this verse in the King James to honor my friend Brian. But it says, he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. I think that one leper, he knew that scripture. He said, man, the only thing you do when God comes and touches you and heals you is you worship. You bring that sacrifice of thanksgiving. And that's what he did. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. I wonder if there are people watching this play out on the road going, you know what, that's a little over, over, top, over the top, man. Like, you're really gonna get down on your knees and throw yourself at the feet of Jesus? And I think that leper would say, man, if you knew, if you knew what Jesus did for me, you'd do the same thing. And some of you, maybe you're here at church, you're at one of the campuses, and you see people raising their hand in worship or kind of getting a little bit rowdy, and you go, that feels a little overkill. You know what, if you knew what God had healed me from, we all have leprosy. We've all been afflicted with this disease that separates us from God, and it's a disease called sin. And I don't need to convince you of how much sin you have in your life. You came in fully aware of that. And we could easily all be carrying signs around that say, I'm unclean. And maybe we don't hold that sign, but when people get close to us, it's easy for them to see the pain. It's easy for them to see the, the label maybe that this culture has put on them because of their, their issues. But man, when Jesus comes into your life and he cleanses you of that sin, the only appropriate response is to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus, to worship him and to be grateful for him. And so Jesus says to him, uh, this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked him, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I, I want you to notice something as we close. Jesus said, didn't I heal 10 men? The word that he uses for healing in that particular case, I can't pronounce it in the Greek, but it's where we get the word catheter or catheterization uh, that we use today. And it's a medical term. It's a physical healing. They, Jesus healed these 10 physically. But when this one came back to him and worshiped him, kind of brought his gratitude to the feet of Jesus, and he tells him, I want you to walk away. I want you to go away. Your faith has made you, your faith has healed you. It's a different word. The word is sozo. And it's a word that's translated into a couple of different things. But ultimately what it means is whole. See, nine lepers settled for a transactional physical healing with Jesus. But one of them 
came back to the feet of Jesus and he left, healed all the way through. His soul was healed. Sozo is a word that has five or six different meanings. It's, it's healed. It's, it's a, a word. Chip Judd taught me this. He comes from a little bit more charismatic background. He said, man, we used to talk about Sozo all the time. Saved, healed, delivered, prospered, protected, made whole. And that is the imitation that Jesus has for each one of us. Jesus wants to make you whole. He doesn't just want to settle for the healing. And you know what? We've seen in this church so many people be healed, but we've also seen so many people pray for healing, but they didn't get it. But that's okay, because I think the leper would say to you, hey, the prize is the healer, and we all have access to Jesus. The prize is the healer. The healing is great, but man, the, the, the thing that can heal you and make you whole is the healer, and his name is Jesus. And so I don't know where you are today. Some of us are here today, and maybe you're just painfully aware of the areas of your life that you're unclean. You know what they are. Maybe it's something that you've done. Maybe it's a label that's been attached to you. It could even be a physical diagnosis that you've been given, a terminal diagnosis like these lepers had. And you know, maybe you've kind of been carrying a sign in some form or fashion that says, I'm unclean. And I'm praying that God will do both. I'm praying for some that he will make you healed, but I'm praying for all of us that'll make us whole. And that word whole, sozo, it's the same word that comes from Romans 10 and verse 9. It says that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be sozo, whole, saved, prospered. God can bring a healing that, that, that is so much bigger than even the thing that you're praying for right now, that he can make you right with God. And so I want to pray for you today. I'll pray for all of us. We've encountered God. We're going to continue to encounter him in worship, that we would walk away from this encounter in the same way of that leper, that we would be that 10%. Go, God, I don't want to settle for the answer to prayer. I want, I want you. I want your grace and I want your love that I would walk away and my faith would have made me whole. Would you guys bow your head as we close in prayer? So we pray, um, I'm gonna pray for a number of us, but one group of people I just wanna pray for, if you're here today and, and, and you know your story and everybody's here, here is coming with different backgrounds and different stories, but you would say, you know what, Josh? I wanna be whole. I wanna be whole. I want Jesus to make me whole. That's you, hands are already going up. You know that, just raise your hand. Just say, yeah, I want, I want to be whole. Jesus, make me whole, make me whole. Father, I thank you so much for every hand that's raised here and at the campuses, every heart that's leaning into you right now that says, Jesus, I want to be made whole. Only you can do that. So we do our part, God. We confess with our mouth. We know our sin. We know it's separated us from you but we know that you are Lord, that you lived a sinless life and that you have cleansed us from all unrighteousness by taking all of our leprosy, all of our sin on the cross so that we could be clean, so that we could be healed, so that we could be whole. And God, I pray for every one of us that's here today. Some of us are just in a great deal of pain right now. And I thank you that you are right here, that you are right in the midst of it. 
Lord, that you would show us areas of our lives, Lord, where you're just here, your presence is there. And Lord, that even those of us that maybe we're doing well, that you would help us to be a people that lives out our faith, that learns to have a radar for pain just like you did, that brings that hope and that healing to the people around us. And that all of us would walk away from this encounter with you whole, saved, healed. Lord, we worship you. We're gonna take these next few minutes and we're gonna do only what is natural for us to do, which is to worship you, to come to the feet of Jesus and say, glory to God. Thank you for what you've done in my life. We love you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, we're gonna respond to God. And as we respond to God, this is just a few minutes that we've carved out in our service to, to just ask him, what is God saying to me today? Like I said, we've all experienced him together, but what will you walk away with? What will you walk away? How will you walk away different? Some of us are gonna go to the crosses and you know, maybe whatever that unclean means for you, whatever that label that you've carried, or maybe it's an addiction or a struggle that you've had. Maybe it's something that was done to you. And I would just encourage you, along with hundreds of other people this weekend, to go to the cross. Say, hey, I'm not unclean anymore. I'm leaving this with you, and I'm walking away whole. I'm walking away having been touched by God. Some of you need prayer, and we have prayer teams that are here today, and we would be honored to pray for you. And we're gonna pray for the healing, whatever the, the requests that you have, but I know we're gonna experience the healer together, and that's the prize. We're gonna experience the presence and the power of God. And so if you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. We have candles that are set up in, in the back and, and, and some of the different areas in the upper section and candles we use for prayer. And I just wanna encourage you, do you have proximity to somebody right now who's in pain? Is there somebody that you know who's hurting? Go to the candles, light a candle, pray for them, but then also ask God, where would you have me step into this pain? Where would you have me step through the awkwardness and the discomfort, but to, to draw near so that I can reflect you in this pain? We're gonna take communion, those of us who are followers of Christ, and that's just a reminder of where the prize is. Jesus is the prize. He died for us. He paid for our sins so that we can walk, walk out of here with, with wholeness versus emptiness. And so we're just gonna take communion. We're gonna thank him for what he did if you're a Christ follower. And then we're gonna sing, we're gonna celebrate. A lot of people are gonna give. That's just part of their practice because when we remember what God has saved us from, it's only natural to worship. It's only natural to be generous. It's only natural to pour ourselves out to him. And so let's just turn this place into a house of worship. Whole bunch of people who have been healed of leprosy, who are experiencing the wholeness of God. What's God saying to you today? And let's respond to him together.